Before we get started, ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, presents Kyle Brandt's Basement, led by NFL Network's Good Morning Football host, Kyle Brandt. Every Sunday through Thursday, the show explores the ins and outs of the NFL through lively guest interviews, including Bill's QB, Josh Allen, every Tuesday, and also inventive segments unique to Brandt to bring fans closer to the action on and off the field. That's Kyle Brandt's Basement. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier, and welcome to 2023, <laughs> baby. I mean, we back. My brother, I miss you, dog. How was your holidays? Man. How was the break, man? Man, I miss you too, brother. The break was good. It was a good opportunity to spend time with family and you know, get a chance to reflect on what 2022 was and show that family is first, but also to deal and to go through some of the things we went through in 2022. And then to have 2023 start the way it did with DeMar Hamlin and us get an opportunity to watch the entire sports world come together in prayer, come together in support of this young man and all of our focus be on Buffalo and to have him now being transported home, be healthy. I think it's a great time for us to start our show, but also a great way to start 2023 after it seemed extremely bleak on Monday night in the field on the field in Cincinnati my brother I gotta be honest I was watching uh the football game when that happened to DeMar and I was watching you in the immediate aftermath honestly Ryan I've never been so proud of one of my brothers for how thank you how 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 you related it to personal experiences, Ryan, to how you were so emotional mm. and how you were so in tune with everything that was happening and your ability to communicate only what you knew in that moment. No speculation, no guessing. You guys did such a tremendous job. And Ryan, I was never more proud than I texted you this afterwards. You did, man. I'm so proud of you, my brother, for what you did and how you handled something. I could not have imagined being in that situation as a broadcaster myself, having to deal with that. So hats off to you and the Thank entire you, ESPN staff for handling uh, a very, uh, I mean, a situation we've never really been dealt with before. Yeah. And so happy to see that young man back heading home and everything else. So yeah, RC, uh, it was a, it was, it was a scary start, yeah. but in that we saw the world come together yeah. uh, and support this young man. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much, DC. I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, it means the world to me, especially when, you know, your friends and your family, which you are now uh, to me, reaches out and lets you know that you did a good job and that they're proud of you. I think a, a difficult transition, but one that has to be made for DC and RC. We all love the sport of mixed martial arts. We all love what the UFC has given us and also Dana White. But during our break, Dana White had an altercation with his wife, which was a public altercation where, you know, she uh, and he were having an argument. And throughout that argument, Dana White put his hands on his wife. And that was all caught on camera. And Dana White came out with a statement. He said, I'm literally, I'm literally making no excuses for this thing at all. It's never happened before. It's the first time that it's ever happened. And people are going to say what they're going to say. It's deserved. I deserve it. To have Dana White deal with this so publicly is obviously a very difficult thing for his family. And so we want to be sensitive to that. We also want to be sensitive to his wife and what she's dealing with through this altercation being such a public ordeal for both Dana White and his family. In that, I want to say this. 
I in no way condone putting your hands on a woman. I don't care if it's Dana White. I don't care if it's Ryan Clark. I don't care if it's any fighter on the roster or any man in the world. What Dana White and in the way that he's handled it in the aftermath of being fully accountable for his actions, speaking that those are not things that he has ever done, has ever wanted to do or will do forward, I think is extremely important. And also accepting that he deserves the criticism that he will receive from this was extremely important for not only Dana White to say, but for the world to hear. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. And, you know, everybody waits for an opinion on a situation like this. But I'll tell you this right now. Dana White was wrong. And he told you he was wrong. We have long been told our entire lives that we are not supposed to put our hands on women. Dana White himself has gone on record to say, you are not supposed to put your hand on women. He understands that. He took accountability immediately. Now, here's the question, though. And in these instances, the one thing you think about first is the family, the children, and, and the rest of the White family and how they will get through this. But Dana's making no excuses for his actions, right? Some fighters are trying to defend him. He doesn't defend himself. Why should anyone go to defend an action that he is saying, I was wrong? Everyone knows that is wrong. But for me, it's what happens next. How does Dana White become a voice for trying to help people in these situations? How does he go forward and lead the charge to try to help people to try to combat this type of situation, uh, domestic violence and all these other things? That's the question for me. It's no debate, Ryan. It's not like we can sit up here for 10 minutes and debate whether or not it was right or it was wrong. There's no debate. Everyone is on the same page. He said it's wrong. I know it's wrong. You know it's wrong, and everyone around the world knows it's it's wrong. But the reality is what comes next. How does Dana help with this issue going forward? I think that's what's important. So what we want to tell all the followers of DC and RC is that both of us, unequivocally stand against domestic violence and we want to make sure that the women who are affected by these acts have support and that the men who are involved in these altercations learn how to handle themselves better and are handled in the way that they should be for what is done. Another thing that we have to speak about that I think is important to the DC and RC family and the entire UFC world is the passing of Stefan Bonner. Stefan Bonner is one of the main figures of the UFC. Without what Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffith did on a fateful night over two decades ago or two decades ago, we don't have the UFC. The UFC isn't what it stands to be. And I think when you look at Daniel Cormier and what Daniel Cormier has now accomplished in his Hall of Fame career, he can look back to Stefan Bonner's career and also this fateful night that gave us the first tough champion and say, without this, the UFC Dana White, the Conor McGregor's, the Daniel Cormier's, the the Alexander Volkanovsky's don't exist without Stefan Bonner. And so to his family, to his loved ones, to the entire UFC family, I send my condolences. I send my prayers. But more than anything, my admiration for who Stefan Bonner was as a man, but absolutely who he showed us he was within and inside the octagon, because without him, we are not here talking about this sport today. We are, and I mean, especially not on ESPN, RC. I mean, the UFC was thought to be a small-time thing at the time. And the UFC and, and, and Lorenzo Fertitta and Dana White, they took a chance on this show called The Ultimate Fighter. But you needed the characters. 
You needed Forrest Griffin. You needed Stefan Bonner. But you needed that fight, more importantly, to show people what MMA could be, how these guys would go out and lay it all on the line in order to try and accomplish something great. Stefan Bonner was at the head of that. He led the charge, him and Forrest Griffin, and led the UFC into a different era. This guy's a UFC Hall of Famer. He has fought the best of the best. Forrest, Jones, Rashad Evans, Mark Coleman, Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz. He has done so much. Now, late in Stefan's life, he had some issues. He struggled at times with uh, mental things, and it seemed that him and his wife a couple years ago lost everything, and a fire in the MMA community stepped up for Stefan Bonner. It is very unfortunate that he has passed today. Um, He is going to be sorely missed. Uh, He was a tremendous asset to the UFC. And listen to this, RC. I want to talk about, as Stefan is gone, uh, he leaves behind his wife and his son, Griffin. Griffin Bonner is his name. Uh, and I, I that is a, a tip of the cap to a tip of the cap to uh, what him and Forrest did on the alternate fighter one season finale. So now the focus shifts to for, uh, to Stefan's wife and his son, Griffin. Uh, we will be praying for you guys and you are forever in our hearts. Uh, Stefan, you were the man, brother, and you will be sorely missed. I think when you look back at what the UFC is and what the UFC eventually became, you point to this fight. And the same way you said, DC, though, so much more happens for these fighters as humans, as people, and the families that they have the opportunities to start. And so to Stefan Bonner's wife, uh, to his son uh, that has one of the most amazing names that I've ever heard in my entire life, Uh, We give you our best. We continue to pray for you. And I'm praying that you have the support you need to now move on from such an amazing figure and an awesome man. With that, DC, there's another departure from the UFC. And this one's a little bit different. We're not talking about a fighter moving on and doing things differently in a different organization. It's your friend, your bestie, Habib Namorgamedov. And he's stepping away from the MMA as a coach. And when you look at what he's been able to accomplish as a coach, it's almost as impressive as what he did during his career as a fighter to be able to make that transition from being inside the cage, being inside the octagon to outside and being able to have your voice champion other fighters to become the sort of fighter you were during your career is something that's almost an impossibility as Khabib steps away, DC, to focus more on family, to focus more on life away from fighting. What is his legacy now as a coach in such a short time mean to you? Well, I looked at MMA Junkie the other day, and him and Javier Mendez were coined the co-head coaches of the year, right? That's his first full year of coaching. But, you know, when Habib walks away from coaching, I think about this. I think about time spent with family and how important it is. And Ryan Clark, I think about why you don't do commentary because you refuse to to miss one of your son's football games, right? I think Habib's there where he's at a point in his life where he doesn't want to miss the important moments and certain jobs take you away for the important moments. And Habib is a family guy that is not willing to give that away anymore. So he wants to spend more time with his children, with his wife, with his mother. Right. We obviously know how important his mom is to him, being that she is the reason he walked away from the sport. 
So for me, it's just another instance in which Habib shows why he's so special. Because the, the, the lure of so many things, right? The fame, the money, all that that comes with broadcasting. To be able to say, for you also, who says, my time away at the beginning of the week is enough for me. The weekends belong to my family. For him to say that these important moments mean more to me than the money and everything else just shows you who Habib is. Habib's legacy is going to be forever because he coached his uh, cousin Usman to a Bellator championship. He coached Islam to a UFC championship. One of the coaches, his other brother, Umar, is a UFC bantamweight. Manap is in the UFC. The guy is just a very smart mixed martial arts mind, and it showed in the results that he was getting as a coach, not only as an athlete inside the octagon himself. Now, you're absolutely right, uh, DC. And I know I mess with you all the time about your relationship with Habib, but it is truly remarkable what he was as a fighter and what he became as a coach. And even on top of that, now what he is and has constantly shown us he is as a man, as a human, as a father. And I think that all of those things wrapped up into one make him truly one of the more unique individuals we've ever seen in sports and also one of the most special individuals we've ever seen. And we know whatever he puts his mind to, he's going to be extremely successful. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Who maybe weren't as successful was you and I, DC, when we gave our 2022 predictions. And we're going to give 2023 predictions oh, no. in a second. But let's go check the tape 
of what we did early last year. We do have an opportunity to predict what's going to happen in 2022. So I have my first UFC 2022 prediction, bro. And here it is. Yes. Amanda yep. Nunes avenges her loss to Juliana Pink to Juliana Pena at the 135 pound range. Wins it. Tamaya is going to fight for the title. Connor is going to return and have the biggest pay-per-view ever in the history of the UFC. Max is going to win the title by the end of the year. He's going to come off oh, of injury. Wait, wait, and I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I yep, can see it. And Max is going to win. But the big one for me. <laughs> I see it. The one that matters, DC, is when Darius submits <laughs> oh. Makachev. It's going to happen. Islam have, is going to fall. And what are you going to do then, DC? Not only oh, look at your first does one. Valentina become double champion, Chimaev will be the number one contender. I don't know if he's going to have fought for the belt yet. Because I think that I'm hearing that he's fighting Gilbert Burns. If that's the case, then he'll be the number one contender. And he may fight for the belt by the end of the year. I believe that John Jones will fight at heavyweight. And he'll fight for the belt. But he'll lose to Cyril Gan or Francis Ngannou. And I just think that the time away with the weight difference and those guys being who they are, that's the problem. It's not that Jones has gotten worse. It's just that these guys are a different level of heavyweight. I believe that Henry Cejudo does fight again. So with that being said, I think that he does fight for a championship at either 135 or 145. And lastly, I think by the end of this year, Islam Makhachev is wearing that title. <laughs> I finally got one. I finally got one. I finally got one. Bro, we I were trash, <laughs> dog. Hey, oh my gosh. Hey, you know what? Here's my problem with this. First off, it's, oh, an, it's, it's an impossible thing to do, right? And you're just guessing because you don't know if people are going to get hurt. You don't know if UFC is going to set the fights up the way you want to set them up. And I think that's why Jake <laughs> does this. I think that's why Glenn and Jake and Air, they all get oh, together man. and we're going to be like, oh, we're going to make Ooh. RC. We're going to make DC Ooh. look stupid but bro <laughs> i thought we would at least be close we weren't even no, bad. close like you and I, i'm actually upset you got the islam <laughs> thing right because I now it, because <laughs> now that's like a double whammy for you your boy wins and you were correct but we got to make some predictions this year bro yeah yeah yeah. we got to yeah. make some predictions this year like when are we gonna see connor back like is connor coming back <laughs> Are you going to do the whole Conor gets the big theme of me of all time again? No, you got to keep hedging your bets. If he comes back, <laughs> he does. You were sure. You were so sure. You were so sure. I didn't know he was going to feel sure. Roadhouse. I can't predict that. <laughs> like, I didn't know he was going to become a small bodybuilder. I, I actually got more than you. I actually got more than you because I had one question mark and one right. You had like five wrong and one right. Like, you literally got none right. That's crazy. I can't believe you actually went up there. <laughs> I can't believe you went up there got everything wrong. That is crazy. <laughs> hey, man, when, 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 Connor, when will Connor return, DC, and who is he going to fight? Like, be honest. Like, I, think, I, think, I think he's going to fight Michael Chandler. I really do. I think he's going to fight Michael Chandler when he comes back. But I don't know when that's going to be, bro. I think in the summer... If I had to guess, here's the problem with what they just did to us. They show us that video and it makes me nervous to even say anything because then I'm going to just be wrong again. And then the reality is they have now started to record I mean, they record everything and they run it back. 
first off, y'all set me up with Amanda Nunez. Then y'all set me up with a couple other people. So it's like, you got to be very careful what you say. But I'm saying, Conor McGregor fights this summer, and he fights against Michael Chandler. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. One, two years, fights Michael Chandler. International fight week seems to make sense. Yeah. Two years for an injury of that nature, I think would be enough time fights Michael Chandler in Las Vegas. Yeah, I believe that's going to be the same fight that we see. And I think it's a fight we have to see. It's a fight that we must see. And when you see the, or you now recognize the resume that Michael Chandler has made for himself and what that resume has done for his perception, right? And the way that we see him fighting, it's the only fight that makes total sense. And I think it's a fight that Connor will believe he can win and also believe he could be explosive in and excite the people. And so everything you said to me, DC, makes <laughs> sense. But along with that fight brings me to this question. If you could pick three fights that are... Stop laughing. What are you laughing at? I'm scared, at? bro. I'm so scared. Hey, three fights, <laughs> three fights that are must-see fights for the 2023 fighting schedule. What would they be for you? RC, they can't use this against me, can they? Because I'm so <laughs> no, they... scared right now. <laughs> Bro, right. pick the fights, man. If I need three fights, okay. First one, I gotta see. I gotta see uh, John Jones fight Francis Ngannou. I have to. I have to see. I have to see. Uh, him at heavyweight, right? I thought last year would be the year we would see him at heavyweight for the first time. Ryan, I know Zhang Wei Li just became the champ again, but I think that I have to see against Valentina Shevchenko because I believe that even though she hasn't defended the belt, I believe that she's the best. And if she fights at 115, she'll win. Ryan, I'm even picking her. Wait, that's my bold prediction. Okay. And my last fight, I got to see Chemayev against one of the top three. I need to see him versus either Edwards, Usman, or Covington. Because I thought we would have seen that already. Right. Him against one of those guys. But if you see, these three guys have kind of separated themselves from the division in the regard that they've hung around the top for the longest. I understand Bilal Muhammad is building the resume now. But for the longest time, it's always been Edwards, Chima uh, Covington, and uh, Usman. So I want to see Chemayev in there with one of those guys. Those are the three fights I've got to see. I, I agree with Shevchenko, Wei Lee. I believe that's a fight that we need to see, and we need to see it immediately. I picked Chandler and McGregor, but just because even though we already spoke of that fight, I am that big of a Conor McGregor fan, but I believe the I believe the it's not about seeing him win, DC. It's about the <laughs> it's about the nature of what the fight can be. And I believe that brings out the best Conor. A dude that is gonna stand there, fight with him, be toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and not be scared of getting hit to get hit or to to land his strikes. Those things are important mm -hmm. to me. And the fight I really want to see is Cheeto Vera, Sean O'Malley. And I know that this may not necessarily be something that the world is clamoring for. But Sean O'Malley continues to talk about that fight as a freak accident. And we've gone on to see Chito Vera have these extremely dynamic knockouts after beating Sean O'Malley and put himself in the top five in the weight class. But now Sean O'Malley has surpassed him by beating Piotr Jan in what we can at least call a controversial decision. So to see these two dudes match and have an opportunity to settle that score forever, I think that would be huge for me. I really love those. I love those fights, Ryan. And I can't believe you heard me because I kind of mumbled, mumbled that. 
And I ain't got no microphone in front of me or anything, but you sure picked up on You got some good hearing. Now, Ryan, <laughs> as we move forward from the top three fights we need, we look at some of the year-end awards. They should have got that because I'm pretty sure we probably got more of those right than why they didn't run the clip. Right. Who do you think your 2023 female fighter of the year will be? I'm going to go with Valentina Shevchenko. And this is purely based on me believing that the UFC will schedule correctly. I believe she has to again defend her, her, her belt against Santos. After watching that fight, seeing the way that that fight played out, her being dominated on the mat for much of that event, and then finding a way to win on the scorecards, I believe she needs to come into that fight and dominate in a way that we've seen Valentina Shevchenko do before. And then the mega fight between her and Zhang Weili to get an opportunity to see two of the best that has ever lived in women's mixed martial arts arts face, face off in... Uh, a fight that I think can only be matched by what we've seen Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes uh, do inside the octagon. Now we see the same thing with Zhang Wei Li, who is showing that she's one of the best to have ever lived. And if Valentina Shevchenko comes out on top of that bout as well, she has to be the fighter of the year for the females. You know, I think you can give Valentina that, that accolade every year. Right. Her and Amanda for so long have ruled the top of the division. But for me, I'm going to say Zhang Wei Li. Because I believe that now Zhang Weili is going to uh, solidify this division, right? She's going to be atop this division for a while. And that may lead to that super fight where I believe she'll be competitive against Valentina Shevchenko. Do I, am I confident enough to say she wins? No. But to think she'll be competitive and have a possibility of winning? Yes. And if she doesn't, I think she'll run roughshod at 115 and, and keep her belt and be the the female fighter of the year, but every year it can be Wei Li, Amanda R. Shevchenko. Uh, so Ryan, after this, mm -hmm. what about the males? Who's going to be the male fighter of the year at the end of the year? You know what? I'm going Hamzat Chemaev based off of what you said is a fight you need to see. Right. And saying that you need to see Hamzat Chemaev versus some of these big time fighters at 170. I believe we see that. I think he wins. I think he dominates. What makes him my pick for male fighter of the year is I believe we see him in at least one exciting bout against a top contender at 185. And with his style and with the way that he would seem to match up against fighters in the top five of 185, I believe he wins. I believe he wins in dominant fashion. And in doing that in both weight classes with some of the matchups that will be available to him, I think that Hamzat Chemaev shows that he's one of the best mixed martial artists in the entire world, no matter the weight class. Look how big he looks, though. Like, what are these guys doing to look like they look like this now? Like, they look like they're specimens. He I looks mean, massive. What I think everybody's doing, DC, is they're going back to pictures of you on fight night and saying that's what we need to look at. And they're ha they have those pictures posted on the wall in all of their gyms. You, no shirt on, ripped up. Hey. Two-pack. Hey. Right? They're looking at hey, those Ryan. things and now building themselves up to what you used to be. With the, with the little side fat coming over the top of my spandex. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I had a little side fat coming over the top of my spandex. Ryan, that's a great choice. Hamza Chemayev will continue to do. But I got to be honest, man. He's a Chechnya. He's a Chechen fighter. I ain't going very far for my fight of the year. My fight of the year is going to be Islam Mahachev. Yeah. Because Islam Mahachev is going to fight Alexander Volkanovsky mm. in a fight. While I respect Volk tremendously, I, I think that he's up against it against Mahachev. And then he will go into Ramadan where he'll be busy 
And then when he comes back, he'll fight again and he'll fight another number one contender at 155. I think that by the end of the year, he will assert himself as the dominant force that many have come to expect from Makachev. And I believe that at the end of the year, Islam Makachev will be the fighter of the year at the end. I'm so happy this year, though, that Alex Pajeda was actually given his flowers and was named the male fighter of the year, even though he doesn't have an extensive resume in the UFC. But Ryan, short time, baby, because you got to get to NFL Live and everything else. So it's time to tap in and tap out. Let's go, Jake. All right, guys. In 2022, we did not see Nick Diaz back in the octagon. However, he continues to train and stay in shape for his return. So, DC, tap in or tap out. We see Nick Diaz in the octagon in 2023. I I I tap in, but here's the deal. I'm going to tell you this right now, Corporate Jake. Nobody better not send me no pictures of Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz looking all ripped and muscular. Because last (laughs) time in his training camp, he looked so ripped. But by the end of the, by the fight night, he looked a little more like what you expect from a guy that's in his late 30s that doesn't fight and train very often. So, yes, I do believe he's going to fight again. But don't try to sell me that he's going to be Nate Diaz from back in the day. He's going to be a guy that we love for who he is, but not because of the skill level that he will exhibit inside the octagon. I tap out. Um, even though he's still training, I think when you go back to that Robbie Lawler fight and the way that that fight ended, it just didn't look like Nick had it in his heart. And I played football. I was not a fighter, but it seems to me that fighting would be something that once it's gone from here, it's extremely difficult to do. Now, I will never question the character or the willingness of a Nick Diaz. I just know we all age out at some point, and it will be difficult for me to see him back in the octagon in 2023. All right, guys, while we were gone, Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen was announced as the main event for a fight night in February. RC, tap in or tap out. This was the right matchup to make at Bantamweight. Boy, I tap all the way in. Listen, this is what two high-level strikers, a guy like Corey Sanhagen, who has been at the top of this division, of the Bantamweight division for a long time, but he's always fallen just a little short in those championship opportunities against Chito Vera, who is steady rising and rising in exciting fashion. I cannot wait to see these two men face off in the octagon. I love this one. I love this fight. I love this matchup. I love everything that's going to come with this matchup, and I love the stakes. We always do this thing called what's at stake. What's at stake is a chance at the top of the Bantamweight division. I'm all in on this one. Monday, news came out that Kelvin Gastelum was out of this weekend's main event, and Sean Strickland is stepping in on short notice. DC, tap in or tap out on Strickland taking this fight on short notice? I I tap in because he has to. Sean Strickland's at a point in his career where he's got to just take up every opportunity given to him. He was riding extremely hot. Yep. Then he ran into Alex Pajeda, and then he lost to Jared Cannonier. Right now, he's got to refine the magic. And the only way to do that is to beat one of these up-and-coming guys like Imavov to try to re-secure yourself in the top five. But trust me, RC, this is a very, very difficult fight for Sean Strickland. No, I think this is extremely tough for Strickland, but I do like the fact that he understands where he is in his career and the urgency that he shows in taking this fight. It's very important that he wins, though, because another loss could put him in UFC purgatory going forward. All right, guys, one one more. A month away from his title fight in Australia, Islam Makhachev is showing he is not afraid (laughs) to train in any conditions. RC, tap in or tap out, training like the lightweight champion. 
Listen, I love it. And here is why I tap in on it. This reminds me of Rocky. If you remember in Rocky Four, he was out in Russia. They had people That's following crazy. him around with chains on the tires in the snow. The dude is walking through the snow. He's doing everything natural. Islam is showing us that it oh, does not God. matter where he is. He is bringing the fight and bringing the fun. So I'm all in. I tap in on Islam and the elements. This sucks. Hey, Ryan, I've done this. This absolutely sucks. You go into a sauna. The sun is about 225 degrees. It's so hot. They put that damn hat on you so none of the heat escapes the top of your head. <laughs> and then you go outside into the cold plunge in the middle of the winter. And then you lay in the stone and you get back into it. It is terrible. But it just tests your mental. It shows you that you can get through just about anything. So, yeah, I tap in on Islam doing everything. RC, I pointed to the top of my head like no heat escapes, but boy. The rooftop's <laughs> open on your boy right now. <laughs> hey, ain't nothing with the sunroof. Ain't nothing wrong with the sunroof, DC. <laughs> hey, man, it, it was great to be back, brother. Great to get an opportunity to sit with you. I miss you, my dude. So much happened during our break. It's always crazy that when you take a break, it feels like all these things happen uh, with even uh, without us even having a fight. But no, wherever you want your podcast, wherever you get your podcast, dive into DC and RC. We appreciate you. ESPN2, 12 p.m., I mean, 12 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. DC, enjoy your time in New Orleans. Don't eat too much, though, bro, because I know you got to get into one of them fire suits soon. Hey, man, let me tell you something, RC. It was always good, man. Again, happy holidays to everyone. We missed each and every one of you. Check RC out on NFL Live today. Those guys doing some special things. Tap into the playoffs. NFL starting. UFC's back this weekend. Until next time, guys. Peace. <laughs>